Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of the Art of Giving a Damn podcast. I am super excited today. We have a guest who I know you are going to love, you're going to learn so much from, and you're going to want to stay in touch with her once you hear her unique spin and take on how to approach your marketing for your business. I want to welcome uh, Diane Kern to the show today. How are you? I am doing great, Michelle. Thank you so much for getting me up and up and at them early on the beginning of a weekday morning here. <laughs> it is it is an early Monday morning, depending on where you're at in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for popping on. You know, as I was going over some of what you said, I've got a lot of questions for you today, but I just wanted to start with your company is called The Marketing Deal, and you've got a little bit, bit of a different spin on the word deal. So why did you choose that name? You know, it's interesting. I, for me anyway, and I hope, I hope for your listeners, I recently rebranded myself as The Marketing Deal after years of having another business name mm-hmm. because I wrote a book called The Marketing Deck. And people are like, okay, I think I know what that is. But I thought, let me get underneath a word that's become rather controversial, actually, in the world, the word deal. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, right now, there's a lot of phrases. In fact, there have been, you know, people think, oh, that's a really great deal, or I'm getting a raw deal. So we have these phrases in our, just our natural way of being with that word. So Mm -hmm. it means a lot of things. And it tugs at our emotions, I thought. Do I dare take this on? I thought, you know what? I'm going to take it on. Because for me, what really matters about marketing is, are you bringing value to people? And without that, any deal you could hope to craft is going to fall apart. Now, it may not fall apart instantly, but it will because you need to have mutual benefit. Mm -hmm. So I kind of decided that the word deal is actually an acronym. So would you like to hear my little words that I've kind of put behind D-E-A-L? Absolutely. Great. So the way I have it is deal, the word D is dedication develops, and then E is excellence elevates, A is awareness advances, and L is leadership launches. And if you put those together, you can keep circling around and recreating value. It takes something of not only the provider, but truth be told, there's not simply one person in a deal or one party in a deal. There's the other side. Mm. So you want to look at what does your audience expect? What are they willing to bring? And can the two of you create something together that actually sustains and you know, has development, elevates everyone's life, advances and launches something that you want to keep moving forward? I love that. Uh, That's something that we talk about a lot on this show and on my blog is that kind of triple bottom line of, is it good for you? Is it good for your clients? Is it good for the world? Um, Because that's the type of deals we want to do in business is those things that, like you said, are a win-win for everybody involved. Because that's how you stay in business is when you're long-term delivering that value. So the reason I wanted to start with that particular piece of things is it's a great intro to... um, to what Diane actually does, which people call her the wow whisperer. 
And one of the things in her bio that really caught my attention is saying, you've done over 4,200 public speaking presentations. <laughs> I can't even imagine stepping on stage that, much, uh, that many times, but you've also been to 3,000 plus networking events in your career. And what you really focus on is those communication secrets that help us grab people's attention and keep it in an era of a uh, very short attention span. So how did you get into to doing that, to showing entrepreneurs how to do that? What got you well, started? You know, I, I really had it, Michelle, that everybody does this because it's natural to me. But I have to laugh because as a little kid, I was labeled shy. Really? And so from the time I was a little kid, people thought, oh, she's a really shy, quiet person. Well, I was doing something that I think as little kids, a lot of us do. We're listening intently to how does this world work anyway? And what, what do I need to know? I mean, you know, little kids are sponges for learning. So I was kind of in that side of the equation because for me, when you're doing a presentation of any kind, and I've literally been an actor on stage inhabiting a character, a person, you know, leading on the top of Machu Picchu, and oh yes, boardrooms and conference rooms alike, but you know what? You've got to listen to your audience. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say listen for what matters to them. Because if not, again, the deal is going to fall apart. They're going to be turning off. And nowadays, they're going to be looking at their smartphones. They're going to be leaving the room for a break. Whatever that may be, you're not mm -hmm. engaging with the people who have granted you some initial attention. And I don't care whether it's for 30 seconds or three hours. And the longest I've ever taught in one go is eight hours. So wow. <laughs> you best pay attention to your audience. Yeah, that's a long time to keep an audience's attention. So what's a couple tips that we can apply if we have that opportunity to step on stage or in front of a boardroom that, that helps us know what is it that our audience wants, what will grab their attention? Well, the first thing I, I want to do is kind of remind people that you want to prepare ahead of time mm -hmm. in ways that might not seem obvious because we kind of have it, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh my gosh, speaking in public is a fate worse than anything, right? Yep. <laughs> it, and and I've, I'm always intrigued with that because there's some, there's some stop stopping that we have mm -hmm. there. And you even hear about people who are, their life is performing, they're mm -hmm. actors on stage and they get the butterflies before they go on stage. And you know, I had an acting coach, a wonderful man who's since gone up to the great stage in the mm -hmm. sky, but he, uh, uh, his name was David Legrand, words of wisdom, and he actually coached some very famous mm -hmm. folks. And he used to say, look, here's the thing about your emotions. They're, what, they're what's gonna get you paid, meaning you're gonna bring who you are Mm -hmm. And when the emotion starts bubbling up, and he used to literally do this thing where he'd move his fingers kind of up as if it's <laughs> bubbling up from inside. And it's like, oh, there you are. There's my unique personality, my persona. And how I took that was, guess what? Who do we pay attention to? We pay attention to people we experience mm. as human beings being who they are with their unique kind of twist on life, whatever their experience is. They may not say something perfectly in the moment, but they speak from their heart, from their gut, and they are literally present with the audience. So I, have a, I have a little tip for folks who are like, oh my gosh, the audience, now I have to deal with them, right? We know how okay. that gets. So I always say, look, um, look for 
a friendly face mm -hmm. and imagine that you're just speaking with them for a moment because it works beautifully. What happens is that mm -hmm. people notice you connected with someone and now there's a conversation, just like in real life. When you're talking one-to-one, -one, we tend to look at each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what happens is when you're looking at someone, their eyes go off to the corner because they're thinking about what you right. just said. So that's your sign to maybe pause for a second. Give them a chance to take it in. So you don't have to like race through it because you're nervous. <laughs> Slow yourself down. Allow the breathing. That helps you. Also helps your audience actually digest. So I've just given you about three, four different tips at once, yes. I realize, because this is clearly a passion of mine. <laughs> that was great. And I love what you started with about we really do connect with the people that we feel that connection. Oh, oh this is a human being. They're like me. And you're right. It's, it's not about being perfect or having those exact right words. It is more about that connection that we make with the people in the audience. Uh, so I, I love that. That's a great tip. So can I share what happens when you scan the audience and you find somebody who's frowning? Oh, absolutely. Please do. Because guess what? That happens all the time. And it happens with me when I'm doing my art tours, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in a museum and there's visitors there and some people wanted to be there and some people didn't and some people, uh -huh. I'm not sure. And I've literally come, come across people frowning at me with their arms folded and I think, yay, this is the person I'm going to get. <laughs> this okay. is the person who's a skeptic, right? Uh -huh. Who's not sure they really want to be here, or they may not even realize they're frowning. They may just be thinking, and when they think, they kind of go inside. They're not paying attention to how they look. It could be anything. It may have nothing to do with you. So what I do is I think, okay, let's, let me just be with that person the way they are. I might still look at them. I'll kind of circle back. And just be with how they are. You know what invariably happens, Michelle? At the end of the talk, they come up to me and they have something they want to discuss. And oh, I'm like, wow. I had them the whole time. Might not even have realized it. So don't be afraid of the folks who are scowling. They're just being who they are. <laughs> I will have to keep that in mind. Kind of look at it as a challenge to connect with that person. Um, yeah. That is a scary moment when you're on stage and you see people that seem like they're not connected or they might be frowning. But I love what you said about finding yeah. that one person who is paying attention that you can connect with. And when you start to do that, you're going to look around, you're going to see other people too. But sometimes you're not sure if they're totally with you or getting it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what you can do is you can bring a person you know and love in your personal life and kind of bring their energy to the experience because okay. we've all experienced what it's like to actually be heard, mm -hmm. right? But in life, so many people aren't heard very often. So a lot of times people in the audience are like, oh, once again, I'm the listener. I'm not getting to share my wisdom. So, sure. you know, many of the emotions that an audience is feeling have so much more to do with their experience of life than what you're actually saying. So if you just be with them the way they are, in a way you're actually hearing them. You're kind of hearing their emotions. You're not being distracted by it. And this is where I love your focus on empathy and being an empath. And don't you find that that can kind of bring a lot more up to the surface when you're actually with a group of folks? 
It does. It's one of those things that can be a really valuable asset if you know how to handle those emotions. And like you said, focusing on the audience, I think, is something that really helps instead of focusing internally because you're right. It really is about connecting with them. Yeah. And sometimes if you make a mistake, you say, oh, what was that that just came out of my mouth? In other words, it's okay to even acknowledge and say, where was, where was I a moment ago? I'm back now. Or something that kind of turns the humor back on yourself. And oh my gosh, people are going to fall in love with you, don't you think? <laughs> That's a fantastic tip. It's funny because so often we think we've got to get up there and be the perfect person on stage and say all the right things and stand in the right place and make the right hand gestures and wow everybody. But the most memorable speakers, I know for me, are the ones that were human, that, you know, were trying to be perfect as much as they were just, like you said, being themselves. Um, there is something magical about that when people are just, this is who I am, this is what I care about, that really shines through. You know, and uh, one of the, one of the to me, best examples of that is comics. I mean, people who are stand-up comedians, they practice, practice, practice. These jokes have been honed and refined, but then every once in a while they'll go off on a tangent and you know they trip over something or they say something or they get heckled. And now they go off on a tangent and they give themselves permission to do that for a moment and then again laugh at themselves because they're very good at that and then come back and oh my gosh, the audience is even more in love, right? <laughs> That is true. That is true. So were you, do you feel like you were kind of born with the ability to get on stage and do this? Or is it something you learned? Um, how, what was that, that process like from when you were young? You said, you know, people thought you were shy, but you were really just listening, kind of learning how to communicate. Was it something that was natural for you to move into being on stage? Or did you have those scary moments the rest of us have? <laughs> Well, I definitely have the scary moments, okay. maybe not as severe as some folks might have because it wasn't enough to stop me. But I remember in the third grade, I was considered so shy that it's like, oh, she can only play a top. No, no speaking voice for her, right? She's just going to be on stage and she's going to twirl around once and that'll be fine. Because I went from a normal skin tone color to bright red. So, okay, that was coming out that way. I thought, well, that's perfect for a top. <laughs> but then in the sixth grade, we had a, a, a girl who had come from Texas and she was in her class and she decided that the girls should put on a show mm -hmm. for the boys and she was gonna direct it. And we were all gonna get parts. And what she chose was we were gonna do Gunsmoke, <laughs> the old TV show, right? Okay. A Western for the boys, right? <laughs> well, everybody got to play parts. I mean, there were a lot of women in that show and so forth, but for some reason she decided I was gonna play um, the, the, the guy who was the lead, whose name I can't even remember, the, the chief guy on Gunsmoke, the sheriff, and I thought, why do I have to play a boy? How am I going to do that? That's going to be weird. And then I thought, well, it is a speaking part. You're moving along in the world here. There you go. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. So I thought, you know what? If I can do that, I can do anything. So in other words, it was about as far away from me as I could imagine. And somehow it ended up being really fun. It's like, hey, this is like, this is like a play. And um, I discovered I had a group of, of kids in my neighborhood. We had dueling theater groups. And so we would each put on plays and try to outdo the other and get the bigger audience. And we enlisted our mothers to have like baked brownies and cookies. We were, we were <laughs> not above bribery, right, to get an audience. <laughs> you were creative. 
Yes, and one time I was cast in the lead in the play. It was, well, we, we had a very religious kid who was the director, right? And so he chose a, a religious play and I was supposed to play St. Bernadette and uh -huh. his brother was playing the priest, right? But we had an intermission. And in the intermission, he and I had to change costumes really quickly and come out with suitcases and sing California, here I come. <laughs> in the middle of this religious play. So, you know, my early experiences taught me that as crazy as theater could be, it could be fun. So this idea of kind of doing something silly and getting a laugh or getting a whatever was just part of life. So I discovered that it's fun to talk to people in groups. You never know what's gonna happen. I love that. And it is clear from even just this short conversation. I know when people go to your website and check out what you've got there, it comes through uh, so well, how much fun you do have in your business and how much you love what you do. So what's your favorite part of working with clients and teaching them, you know, how to stand out, how to connect with their audiences? What do you like most about it? So I, I would sort of summarize it in this little short phrase. I love helping them wake up their wow. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got possibly even more than one, but for sure, you know, I love working with entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and people who have some passion that they say, hey, you know what? I want to bring this into a business and I want to make a difference for folks. Oh my gosh, that is the best. That's like, that's like a treat to me. So what I do is I work with them to wake up their wow, first of all, by acknowledging it and getting them comfy with presenting it and finding ways where it can really land more fully with the people they intend to reach. Because sometimes we don't have quite the right words, right? We're, we're a little bit nervous about, oh my gosh, am I, am I serious enough? Am I, am I experienced enough? Whatever it might be. Or we might not have an image that matches up with our energy. So it might be a playful image, but you're sort of a little bit more of an uh, impactful, serious person or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So we want to get your visual message and your audio message and your personal message in sync with each other. Mm -hmm. And then your wow has a place to live naturally. So I love doing that. That's probably my favorite part of all is then people go out into the world mm -hmm. and people start getting them. How exciting is that? That is awesome. And, and that really is important to have all of those pieces fit together well. Um, that's, that's something that can be a struggle, but when you're passionate about what you do and when you're excited about that, I find that that really does push you through those moments where you know something is tough or it's scary to step on stage. So I can see why that's what you focus in on as who you love to work with is those people yeah. who are passionate about what they do. So I know you've got a gift uh, for everybody listening today. Where do they go to find that? Well, I do. And it's kind of something that came out of my recognition that we're all, we're all have shrinking attention spans because we live in that 21st century where it's like, oh my gosh, too much information, not enough time. What do I do? So I said, okay. So I've noticed we pretty much still have 24 hours a piece every day, yep. but we don't have any more than that. Right? So what I've done is I've created a series of three quick start guides for time mastery, specifically for business owners who are pretty much doing it all themselves. And the three time uh, mastery quick start guides, one is literally how do you divvy up your 24 hours so that you're having a life as well as a business. That is important. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's the best. And I have fallen down that rabbit hole so many times that I had to take myself in hand. I actually spent mm. 
two years once documenting and logging everything I was doing so I could get a feel for like, how is it actually going? And so learned a lot about that and kind of have some recommendations from people, even at different ages and stages. The second piece is how many hats most business owners wear. And I figured out we're wearing at least 10 hats all the time, but some of them are sitting on the back shelf neglected. Oops. That's, that's a little bit of a red flag you got to address. So I identify those. Okay. And then the third piece for people who are pretty much their own business, they turn around and look around and say, Oh, I actually have to sell stuff here and actually make this business work financially. So I have a, a, uh, a way to manage your sales and marketing development process that is pretty much a starting point to say, look, here are some benchmarks to go for. And then you tweak them whether you're selling a a product or a service Mm -hmm. and then start to tweak them and attach them to a money equation. And it'll give you a place to start to track how you're doing. So you know what you need to tweak and change to maybe be more effective in your percentage close, in your profit, in your pricing. That's so important. And it's one of those things, like you said, we're wearing so many different hats. And for most of us, we didn't start our business to become master salespeople or marketers. That's just one of those things we realized, oh, if I want to do what I'm passionate about, I got to learn to sell. I got to learn to manage my time. So those are pieces that it's, it's helpful to have somebody else give us those guideposts of here's what to watch for. Here's the numbers to track. I know I get that question a lot about different pieces of business. Which numbers do I even track? So that's fantastic to have, have a guide for that. So where do people go to find that? So literally right on my homepage, oh. my site is called the marketing deal, D-E-A-L.com. Okay. And if you go to my homepage and you start scrolling, this little thing will pop up and it's yeah. three free quick start guides. And guess what? They okay. really are quick. They're only a page a piece because oh, nice. short attention span, right? And just pop in, opt in and you'll get that real, really fast. Awesome. Okay. And you can so- play with it. It's the starting point. Let's see. So everybody needs to go to themarketingdeal.com. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a pop-up come up. Make sure you grab those, whether you're looking for time management help or help with all of the hats that you're wearing and maybe you're avoiding and Mm -hmm. help with what to track in your marketing, how to improve there. Diane, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been a, a great conversation. I know it'll be helpful to people who are trying to figure out some of those pieces in their business. I know they're going to want to stay connected with you and learn more from you about how to find that wow, how to put those pieces together. And thank you so much for the gift of the Quick Start Guides. Again, everybody, make sure you go to themarketingdeal.com. You can grab those Quick Start Guides and find out more about Diana and what she does for businesses. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. It is an honor to be with you, and I love the work that you're doing. So Let's create a fabulous world, shall we? Love that. All right. We will go and do just that. You guys, make sure you come back, tune in for the next episode. And thank you for listening today. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great. I thought, uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.